Welcome to Imposters Anonymous. To any first time listeners, as always, I highly recommend you take a moment to jump back to the intro of the project. It should be listed as a trailer for the show at the bottom of the list of episodes in your podcast player. It's only about seven minutes long and provides some pretty important context about the nature of this show, its aims, and how it differs from most. So again, I advise you starting there so that the premise of this project isn't totally lost on you. One final update. I will begin trying to incorporate the audience's questions into episodes, both for recordings with recurring guests as well as solo Ask Me Anything episodes. So if there's anything you'd like to hear discussed or you'd like me to speak to specifically, please do give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter and send your questions. The audience isn't huge here, so there's a good chance your questions or topics will be featured. If you have anything at all, don't hesitate. I'd love to hear from you. And on that note, thanks for giving this a shot. And I hope you enjoy the episode. You don't know how lucky you are being a monkey. The past is just a story we tell ourselves. Welcome to Imposters Anonymous. Gina, thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we could finally make it work. It's It's been a little bit elusive, uh, as life is sometimes in its outcomes, but uh, I'm happy to be here. And, and for me, it's given me time to prepare and, and to even build some expectation, which I sometimes feel like is, is helpful for me in life. When you, when you have to wait a little bit, you have to work a little bit to to make something happen. Uh, I think it sometimes helps the the experience itself. So I'm I'm glad to be here as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, how how are, how are you feeling today? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. It's um, there's no snow where I live, which is unusual for this time of year. So I'm pretty happy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't complain about that. It's nice and sunny. Um. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good start to the week, and things are looking good so far. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It was actually a particularly an unseasonably warm day here after a string of pretty cold days. So I was definitely happy to to get outside a little bit more so, and and not have to be so layered up. Uh, so that's that's always a nice feeling. Yeah. And I know we just had daylight savings time, which is always a little bit of a bummer for it to get so dark so early. So it was it was definitely nice to have a, a bit of a warmer day to enjoy that a bit. And it's it's a small thing, or maybe it feels like a small thing in, in modern life, but it, it really does make a big difference as far as just like what what the weather is and when the sun sets and, and all of that, that it's maybe somewhat subconscious, but it is I find often the default when you like ask someone how they're doing, it's like much of their response is dictated by what follows, which is usually what the weather is like uh, in, in their current context. But um, yeah, all, all in all, I'm doing well. I can't complain. Nice. But yeah, I, I guess to just kind of crack things open to start, um, I'm, I'm very curious about how you came to, I guess, become someone who 
in certain terms would, would consider themselves creative or that creativity is a, is a big part of your life? Is it maybe a more fair thing to say? And I, I'm, I'm just curious fundamentally what your journey has been like to, to get to that point, because I at least know you haven't always felt that way. Yeah, no, I have not. Um, it's probably been in the past few years that I've really embraced um, my own creativity. Um, but when I think back on it, I always have been very creative, but I think in a different way than maybe what um, is traditionally thought of as creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what kept me from from taking on that title for myself. Um, but I was always interested in things like, uh, when I was a kid, I, I, I can remember, you know, going into somebody's house and I would be mentally like knocking down walls and designing Mm. (laughs) and, you know, thinking about how it could look really great and how the space could be transformed. And I can remember doing that from a really young age. And I was always always interested in art and painting and sculpture and museums. I always wanted to go to places like that. And uh, I was always fascinated by it. But I wasn't somebody that necessarily sat down and did a lot of sketching or mm-hmm. doodling or anything like that. So I guess my, my creativity was very uh, mental <laughs> yes. in a way. It wasn't, yeah. it, I didn't really express it, um, I, I guess I'll say. Um, And then as I grew up, I became more interested in uh, fashion. I spent a lot of time reading Vogue as a teenager. And and I was really interested in things like advertising and magazine advertisements and things Mm -hmm. like that. So at the time, I didn't really understand that that was uh, graphic design. That that is something that Mm -hmm. I was drawn to. but again, that was me really kind of being a consumer of it and not a maker of it, anything. Mm. And when it was time to decide where to, you know, take my career path, um, nothing creative even occurred to me. I think for those reasons, because I wasn't actively you know, doing anything creative, even though I really had a lot of admiration and, and I enjoyed it so much. Um, and I also didn't think that it was like a quote unquote real kind of career. Like you couldn't do that mm, yeah. and, and, you know, make a living and, and do what you needed to do in the world. Right. Um, and I mean, this was a while ago. I, I do think things have changed a lot, but there wasn't a ton of people that were, you know, where I lived anyway, going out and, you know, making careers as creatives. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, I went to school, I ended up getting a few degrees, I went into art history at one point. So again, I was dabbling in the, you know, sort of appreciation of it all, but not necessarily the doing of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I look back now, I think that that was probably uh, my way of you know, being on the periphery, but I, I wasn't bold enough to sort of step into the arena of art. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, you know, 20 years went by. Um, I had a bunch of different careers that had nothing to do with art and had -hmm. some kids and, and all kinds of stuff like the usual thing. And a few years ago, it kind of occurred to me that I was not really feeling fulfilled, but I didn't know why. I mean, I mean, 
from my perspective and an outsider's perspective, I, I, I didn't feel I had anything to complain about. So uh, it was a real struggle, you know, why I felt this way, why I sort of felt empty and I didn't feel like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I just, I, I started letting myself go back to um, looking at images and, and doing what I used to do, which was, you know, get really engrossed by visual art and design. And as I did that, I actually started letting myself do some of it, which was different than mm -hmm. anything I had done before. And I found the more that I did it and the more that I went down this path, um, the more alive I felt. And the, I, I, I felt like a completely different person. And so after doing that for a few years um, and just sort of letting myself, giving myself the permission to do it, I came across uh, creativity coaching online. I didn't know that there was such a thing as creativity coaching. And I was really excited about it because I wanted to help other people sort of get to this place that I was at where life started to feel, you know, interesting and exciting and, and beautiful again mm -hmm. um, because of creativity. So, yeah, I got certified and, and I'm now a creativity coach and, you know, amongst other things. But but that's one of the pieces of work that I do. So, no. yeah, I, creativity completely changed my life when I embraced it. Mm. Yeah. And, and so I guess just to jump back a little bit, I, I know you spoke to this point in life where I guess you sort of went into the driver's seat, if, if you will, that you went from consumer to creator. And I think that's, that's an important or at least a significant turning point for, for a lot of people, especially because I think now more than ever, we are, a lot of the content that we consume is, is meant to be consumed completely passively. That it's, it's not really meant for the consumer to be a participant. And that's not to say that all content or art or whatever you want to call it was designed with that in mind previously, but there certainly were lots of forms and mediums in which it was a little bit more collaborative. It was a little bit more, it was asking something of the audience. And, and now it's, there's not a ton of that and it's, it's still there, but it's, it's just very accessible. And in some ways that's a really cool thing. And in some ways that's sort of an unfortunate thing. But I guess my question is, is is that something that for you felt like like was it was there a lot of fear involved in making that initial jump to start creating even if just an independent sense or additionally sharing that with others and and having to open up that that whole can of worms of, of potential feedback and rejection or or what have you yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, um, it's still something that I'm, I work on every day, but I think I've come to the realization that all of us have these fears and just because we have these fears, it doesn't mean that we can't act and we can't move forward and we can't do it. I think I spent a lot of my life thinking that if I were afraid or I had the fear that that meant I shouldn't do it. And I kind of got to the point where, um, I, I just, 
my kids were starting to get older and I, I had more time to do things for myself. And I was, I was just like, I don't even know what I like to do anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't even know, like, what do I do for fun? I don't do anything for fun. That's, that's just mine and just for me. So when I started, you know, kind of dipping my toe, I'll say into creativity, um, there was definitely a lot of fear, even, even about starting. So never mind sort of, you know, taking on that title of, of creative or sharing work, just even to start myself, mm. you know, in my own home, nobody's ever going to see it. That was sure. terrifying. Mm -hmm. That was it. It was paralyzing. So it really took a long time um, for me to get through that. And as I started doing it more, my fear became less and less about the doing. But then, you know, a, near, a new fear cropped up. And that was about, you know, can I call myself an artist? Can I call myself a creative? Like, mm -hmm. who am I? Who am I to say that's, that's what I am? Right. And again, I, I kind of thought, well, I think I'm the one that's going to decide that, not other people. And that took some bravery. Sure. <laughs> but I, I remember Definitely. starting, I remember starting my Instagram account and I was like, okay, I'm going to put artist on here. You know, mm. even though I'm not sure I feel like I am yet, I, I'm putting it on there. And that was terrifying even though like, you know, nobody was looking at my account and nobody was checking out what I was doing. It, it just mm -hmm. to have it out there was, was really scary. So, yeah. And I think just as I continue, there's, you know, I find I get comfortable with one thing and I think this is typical for a lot of people, you get comfortable with it and then there's a new scary thing mm -hmm. that you have to take on. But I'm, I'm, I'm learning and I've learned that, um, there is an other side to the fear. Whereas I think before when I hadn't started, I just had a lot of anxiety about it. And and now mm -hmm. I just think like, just push through it, do what you need to do. And it's going to feel comfortable after a while and it'll be fine. And then right. that's, that's what's been happening over and over again. So it, it's just, it's allowing me to, you know, take these steps that I never would have taken before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly can be, a huge challenge to to get momentum going on those sorts of fronts. But I mean, once you do, it it really does get a lot easier. But but getting to that point is is much easier said than done. But as you've already spoken to, and I know you've referred to yourself kind of as an analytical creative. And it's it's definitely something that resonates with me personally because I guess for those who don't know, I, I'm a graphic designer by day, if you will. And I a, come from a background that you wouldn't really consider uh, as particularly creative. And B, I also, to this day, like still feel it. I guess I have my own hangups about calling myself an artist. I, I can call myself a designer. I'm fine with that. It's functionally true. But even a lot of what I do, I don't feel like it's art. And then, again, a lot of it is a little bit of this imposter syndrome that's at play and, and and a lot of these word games I'm kind of playing in my head because at the end of the day, it's, it's probably true, but a lot of what I do is, is more 
practical. And for me, the, the act of doing it is, is almost more technical than it is artistic. But at the end of the day, it's still me kind of talking myself out of it, if you will. But even as someone who's, who's been doing this for years and who um, went to school for it and, and all of that, it's still, we all have these hangups about what we call ourselves and what we identify with. So it's it's always interesting to see how that that bar just continues to shift because I know lots of people who work in the same field as well or who, who do different artistic things and, and everyone always sort of has that same hang up that, that you did at first in a way where it's like what do I what do I call myself? Am I am I an artist? Am I a creator? Am I a creative? What what accurately describes me? And at the end of the day, of course, it's all None of it is is all encompassing. None of it really defines who we are. But it is we have to communicate with others. We have to we have to show others, uh, at least attempt to show others where we're coming from and and what we do and what we're about. So so words often trip us up in, in that way. But um, yeah, yeah. I just if I can jump off that a little bit. Sure. I I mean I want to go back to the the thought that I had about, you know, who gets to decide this? Um, who gets to decide whether you're a designer or an artist? Like, you know, why are we giving our power over to somebody else to tell us, you know, or, or, or wanted upon us or, mm-hmm. or whatever, and say that, that yes, you are, no, you aren't. And I studied when I, when I did my art history degree, I was really drawn to advertising and I was drawn to, um, especially poster advertising in the late 19th and early 20th century. Hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I think that I thought it was, you know, extremely artistic, um, some of the stuff that was being put out and, and, you know, I, I think a lot about, you know, why, why does person A get to be called an artist, but person B doesn't, mm-hmm. they're doing the same type of thing. Again, who decides, who decides that they are, their work is going to, you know, remain in history and, and they're, it's going to be in textbooks or talked about by later generations and and that really was something that held me back for a long time. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought if I didn't, you know, get to a certain level or do certain things mm-hmm. that I couldn't call myself an artist. Right. And then I just finally got to the point where I'm like, this is bullshit. Yeah. This is bullshit. I'm making art. I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel like you're making art, you're an artist. And And I think... Yeah, it, it it's just it's it's so tricky. It's so tricky. And I was always really interested in conceptual art too when I was studying art history, you know, the mm-hmm. old you know, how how can a an old toilet be an old toilet when it's <laughs> at the curb, but it can, you know, be something right. in a museum if that's where it's placed. So I, that's what I find so fascinating about it. Um but yeah, it's it's all labels and it's it's a lot of of power and privilege that's decided historically mm-hmm. who gets to be an artist and who doesn't. Right. And I think it's time to say, screw that. Like 
you know, it's almost like a revolution, right? Like we can call ourselves whatever we want to call, call ourselves. We're, we're doing this in so many other ways. And I think that artistically uh, we can do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things that as I was starting to speak to before, it's, I had these very rigid ideas about what it meant to be an artist and what it meant to be creative growing up. And so I, I always liked to draw when I was a kid. I, I, I didn't consider myself exceptional at it, but I was a decent sketcher with a pencil and that was pretty much it, right? If I, if I picked up anything else, I was pretty average, but with a pencil, I, I could, I could do some decent things. But again, in my perspective, it was always like, I was good at replicating things. I, you know, I, I had a certain technical proficiency, but I never considered myself to be like particularly imaginative. And so I always thought in a way that if I wasn't, if there wasn't some sort of purity test that, that what I was creating could pass in regards to it being totally original, then it, then it wasn't art. And, and so for me, and I guess that probably maps onto where I currently am, even to some extent, because though all art is this way to some extent, particularly in graphic design, a lot of it is very derivative and, and taking different elements and, and obviously making adjustments and, and incorporating lots of things. But I guess when you see behind the hood on something, sometimes it takes a little bit of the magic out of it. And so you feel almost more like what you're doing is, um, you know, more a science than it, than it is an art, as some people might put it. And for me personally, since I came from a bit more of a writing background, which is how I kind of, I guess, got into the creative space in the first place, but it was always a very technical, a persuasive writing background. And so for years, that was kind of my thing growing up as a kid, I was a very good writer and, but it was all our writing was persuasive. And so it was years before I really got interested in any sort of fiction at all. And, and that's, I guess, how I started to dip my foot into the water and, and realized, okay, if I can write a story that's, that's not real, maybe, maybe I have a certain capacity to quote unquote, be creative beyond that. And maybe there's other ways to try to communicate with people visually or auditorily or however that are a little bit more abstract and maybe a little bit more fun than, than just using words. And so that's, I guess, kind of how, how my journey tracked to some extent, but just to sort of reiterate what you've been saying it for years, I really was held back by that. And I, I didn't go to school for it at first. I ended up transferring in, you know, essentially in my third year, it was, it was a long time coming for me to accept that this was something that I could do. And this was something that I was capable of if I, I just actually took the leap and got over myself and my own hangups about, am I a creative person? Am I an artist? Is this my space? Do I belong here? Do I deserve to be here? Whatever it is, those were all things that that certainly held me back for a long time. And, and I mean, still do, if I'm being 100% honest, but, but certainly less so and uh, hopefully less so every day. But what's interesting about that is I had the exact opposite thoughts about why I couldn't be an artist. I was not, and I'm still not, I'm, I'm not 
technically proficient at drawing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm quite terrible at it actually, but I always had this like really good imagination. But it's like I couldn't get the ideas in my head out. Mm-hmm. So I thought because I don't have like technical prowess at drawing that I can't be an artist. So I find it kind of mm-hmm. interesting that we both took what we perceived to be our weaknesses as, you know, kind of excuses as to right. why we, we we couldn't call ourselves artists. So, I mean, you have to think that, that, that everyone's doing the same thing. And, and that's something that, um, really struck me when I did the creativity coaching training is that a lot of the things I was feeling um, and had felt are actually very common and very normal. Mm -hmm. And many, many, many people feel these same things. They feel the fear and the, the overwhelm and, you know, the imposter syndrome and all of this. And, and even professional artists feel these same things. So it really helped me to realize that, um, you know, we tell ourselves a lot of stories about what is and what isn't. And it doesn't mean that it's mm-hmm. true. And it also doesn't mean that we can't bust through those things that we're telling ourselves sure. to. But yeah, but even um, I want to go back to something else you said, just talking about, you know, um, graphic design being derivative. And and I think I I hear this sometimes. I see it on social media sometimes, you know, talk about being original but as a student of art history, <laughs> you know, what, what really is, is anything original? I mean, mm. almost everything, everything is derivative, derivative of something. Right. We are bringing our own unique mix of experiences and thoughts um, to whatever it is that we're creating. But that's built upon things that we've seen and experienced before. And, and there's so many artists who were influenced by other artists that came before them or mentors. And, you know, you can say that their style was derivative of something else, but that doesn't make it any less. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think we have to take the pressure off of ourselves to be original because we already are original just yeah. because we're unique yeah. humans. But yeah. Just, I, mm. just when you mentioned that, I thought, you know, that was, uh, that's interesting too. Yeah. No, it's, it's an interesting game to play for sure. And I think I now land in the camp of, I guess, similar to you, I acknowledge that everything is derivative in a way. And, and we, we have this unique perspective, of course, on our own creations because we, we know it all, right? We know, I mean, I guess our memories are, are certainly imperfect, but we know the process. We understand where it came from. We can make the connections. We could build out a, a framework for people and say, this is everything that potentially influenced this one thing that I did. But when we consume other people's, we generally have no idea what their inspirations were or who their favorite artists were. And, and if we did, we'd probably look at it a lot differently. Or even if you were a close friend of someone who created something that was you know, popular on a large scale, you just have a very different experience of it because you, you're like, hey, I, I remember that time when you know he was seven and he, he fell into the lake or something. And that's, that's part of the reason he did this. Or I know that growing up, he always listened to this or this was his favorite song or his favorite movie. And Again, like once you start to understand that, we feel as though it has to 
or that it ought to is maybe a better way to put that take some of the magic out of it and again i think that's just a, another label or expectation that we have that when we see quote unquote good art we we assume that it's all magic right we don't understand it and so we're just like that i can't explain it it doesn't make any sense to me how could someone do this and that's what impresses us but in reality that's not that's not really where it ever comes from we just don't understand it and so we we kind of place these value judgments on things based on how well we can explain them and that's you know <laughs> not to be harsh but that's obviously not a good model for the world but it's uh it's how we often have to approach things because it's very hard for us to see anything outside of our own perspectives. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes um, I struggle a bit when I, I, I don't, I don't, I live in a smaller town, so I don't get to go to a gallery or a museum often. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do, I just absolutely love it. But sometimes I stop myself from reading the descriptions you know, they have hmm. the, you know, they might have like an artist statement or a little description right. on the wall beside a piece because sometimes I just want to, you know, feel like I just want it to be visceral. I don't want to know what the artist was thinking, especially if it counters whatever it is, mm-hmm. whatever story I had made up in my head about right. what the piece means. Um, and then there's other times I do like reading it. So yeah, that's, that's a whole it's a whole other thing that mm-hmm. that we could explore that's really interesting. And then there's different artists that, you know, and this is something that I toss around sometimes just in terms of when I make things, what do I want to do? There's some artists that want to say, this is what my art is about and it's not about anything else. And if mm-hmm. you're seeing something else, that's not what it is. Right. And then other artists really want to leave it up to the viewer to interact with the piece and come to their own conclusions um, or feel their own feels about it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's such an interesting sort of back and forth, mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think as you used to put it well, everyone has their, their different aims when they create. And I think sometimes people get really caught up on the fact that it does really come down to every individual's interpretation. And that's, that's really hard to deal with because people can take things totally the wrong way and people can even take action in their life based on what they interpret from art or writing or music. And as a a creator, a lot of people feel the need to carry that burden for the misinterpretations of their work. And it's it's understandable. It really is. But at the same time, you, you simply cannot play that game and end up anywhere good because it it will paralyze you and you can't be responsible for other people's interpretations so i think sometimes people feel like it's 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 what they can control it's the power they do have to say like hey this is explicitly what i'm trying to do here that's what i'm trying to go for but at the same time i think some would certainly argue that reduces art to almost nothing right isn't that supposed to be the the fun of it (laughs) isn't that supposed to be the point is that it's it's open-ended and that there will be a range of interpretations but it's it's if i was someone who who was putting things out there on a larger scale i certainly 
don't know how I would deal with it myself when you when you have that much potential influence simply based on how people read what what you're putting out yeah and and that's even more it's even more relevant now that statement because of social media and the internet and you know things can completely blow up um in a way that an artist or creator never intended um depending on how it's it's put out there or how it's interpreted so yeah it's it's just there's so many more things to think about in terms of sharing your work and you know I think I would like to try not to think too hard about them (laughs) (laughs) because that's exactly it you know you only have control Mm -hmm. over so many things um and that's probably not one of them but yeah it's also it's also a little scary to to think how something could be interpreted so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i i certainly agree and i I don't have a perfect solution for it but i will say that that's life that's that's being human and i think sometimes we we try to put a barrier up and and behave as though there's some sort of clear dichotomy there but that's just being a person every time you try to communicate with someone every time you act in the world it's it's never a direct translation and and so many things get lost in that and it's never everyone's perspective and interpretation is different so you, you simply can't avoid the fact that people aren't always going to understand your truest intentions or what really went on behind the scenes to explain your actions or your words and so I think sometimes we we put so much emphasis on the interpretation of our more material output, especially in creative work, because we feel like it's important and significant, and, and often it is, but it really is no different than just existing and, and being and, and trying to communicate with others, which we all have to deal with. It's just often less obvious, honestly, when people misinterpret us. But that's yeah. it, it, it's always happening, and, and we're always doing our best. But it's yeah, it's it's much easier said than done. I I must say. Yeah, I I mean sharing is vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. It's vulnerable to share yourself with a person in a conversation. But now we're having these conversations and <laughs> and sharing our our work um, on such a larger scale. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot different. It's, it, you know, it's same, but just on a larger scale. So I think that that can scare people away. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, and that's probably a, a fear I had. Um, but at the end of the day, I think sharing is better than keeping your work to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if there's, you know, risk involved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We all have something to contribute and say. And Yeah. I would love people like more people to feel comfortable sharing their work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean that you're certainly preaching to the choir here because that really (laughs) is what's, what's at the core of this whole project. And it's it's a story I've told many times, so I I won't really rehash it here, but this was all part of my process and kind of getting over myself and, and getting out of my own way to start this was just trying to see what happened if I finally prevented myself, uh, that's kind of a double negative, but prevented myself from holding myself back 
in regards to what I was willing to share with the world because I wasn't sure if I deserved to or if I was qualified enough or if there was any sort of an audience for what I had to say and, and all of these doubts that obviously play into this this broader imposter syndrome that I talk about a lot. But as I started doing the project itself, I, I realized that it, it could be something much larger than me. And, and when I say much larger, I mean that it could simply impact one other person, right? Because that's that's twice as big, right? That it, it could be a means for others to also have an opportunity in a space to share what really compels them and to, even if it's as simple as just getting their thoughts out that they might not otherwise share behind closed doors or publicly. And I've certainly had the opportunity to interact with a lot of people that I, I otherwise never would have and would have in, in, in almost every circumstance I, I learn about something that that someone is working on or has worked on that they'd like to be working on a project that usually has some sort of creative nature to it that for years, for months, for all of their lives, they haven't necessarily ever given themselves a real opportunity to just go for and do. And to your point, it, 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 everyone really does have something and it, it looks different for everyone in some way or another, but everyone really does have a way in which they would like to express themselves, even if it's as simple as just speaking their mind when they're accustomed to or even programmed to not. So it's all that to say, it really does resonate. And it's it's something that, that means a lot to me because I have to remind myself every day just, just to keep doing this, that that there's value in, in simply having, allowing their there to be even just a little bit of vulnerability in what I put out into the world is, is something that is is at least a step in, in the right direction, even if there's there's a sea of other things that that maybe uh, maybe handcuff me sometimes. But one thing I, I did kind of want to jump back to before I forget, and I guess it's probably self-evident how imposter syndrome and things like perfectionism and ego and, and all of that prevent everyday people from from allowing creativity to just be a, a part of their lives and in any way, even in simple ways, because they're, they're powerful forces and, and they're there for a reason and there's there's a logic to all of it. But I'm I'm curious for you, especially considering what you do, when you face people who, let's just say, are, are totally closed off, that they they don't consider themselves creative in, in, in any way. They, in fact, consider themselves the opposite. And <clears throat> they really struggle with even having a seat at that table. Are there any particular ways in which you've noticed that there are, are sort of low barriers to entry or, or low-hanging fruit for people to just get the ball rolling and, and say, like, this is a particular medium or a way in which people can maybe start or take one step and say, let's just, let's just try this or let's just, you know, dip a toe in and, and see how that feels. Is there any, any way that you like to start in, in that, in that direction, if that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that I want to go back to something I said earlier about you know, we worry that we need to make a masterpiece or that 
it has to be some sort of, I don't know, like big painting or the great novel in order for it to be worth our time or maybe the money we're spending or, or anything like that. But creativity is, is a basic life force. I think, I think it's something that's innate in every single one of us. And I think when we don't express it, um, it can cause physical symptoms and emotional symptoms and mental symptoms. Um, And that it's something that everybody should learn how to express And I think one thing that's very helpful is expanding our definition of what creativity is. Creativity is not, you know, painting a picture or writing a novel. It can be so many different things. And and if we broaden our definition of what creativity is and what it looks like, I think that that might open the door for some people to think, well, maybe I am creative, you know, like, Mm. are you creative in the kitchen? Are you creative cook? Do you like gardening? Um, I know somebody that likes to put courses together, um, and she finds that to be very creative for her. Um, there's people who enjoy, you know, performing music, all kinds of different things. And I, I, like, I like to say, you know, nobody, I, I don't know, maybe there's somebody out there, but I don't think there's many people out there who are like, when I retire, I want to go to more meetings and, uh, you know, go into the office and look at spreadsheets every day. Nobody wants to do that. There's, there's something, there's something that you want to do when you have the time. What is it? Find what that is and just start doing it more. Even if it's for five minutes, just to start. And one of my very favorite things that my, uh, my instructor taught us at uh, the creativity coaching was just make something small and crappy. Just don't worry about the product, Mm -hmm. worry about the process. So it's the act of sitting down and doing something. It's the act of gardening. It's the act of, you know, composing some music. Um, It's not what, what you get in the end, because the thing that's so beautiful about creativity is it's, it's mindful, it's mindfulness in action. Mm. It doesn't matter what it is. You just get completely lost in it. And if you don't have something that you want to show the world at the end, that's okay. Mm. That's okay. Because it's still, you know, it's, it's the act of creating. That's what's healing. So yeah, small and crappy, start with five minutes and see Mm. where that takes you. And, and don't, don't get hung up on, you know, I didn't do five minutes today, so I suck and I can't do this. (laughs) Tomorrow's another day. Start again. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think one thing that you highlight well there that that certainly resonates with me is just at least attempting to kind of move into a somewhat intrinsically motivated state in in anything that you're doing, because I think we all have things that, that we would do just for the sake of doing them, but often it's, there's not many, or often it's, it's something as you kind of spoke to earlier, you're just so out of practice that you don't even really know what you like doing because you're so used to everything that you, every task, I guess that's even one way of putting it as a task that, that maybe speaks to how I think about it. But everything that you do is it's oriented or it's attached to something else. It's, it's based on what you're going to get out of it. What is the outcome? What is it leading to? And sure, I think everybody maybe 
watches Netflix every now and then, and that's just maybe fun for for the sake of fun. But th- again, that's that's totally passive, and so I think we're we're almost programmed to be in these two modes where it's like, okay, I'm either working, I'm either progressing towards something, or I'm having a totally passive, almost vegetative experience where I'm I'm not doing anything and I'm just consuming. And those are often our two modes that we sort of get stuck in. And so trying to figure out just for the average person, like what is what is a real outlet for me and what would I do if nothing else mattered and I just had to fill the time. And that's that's often not an easy question for people to answer. And when it is, it, it's discouraging because you're like, well, well shit, what, where do I where do I go from here if if I don't even know what I like? And and I guess the answer on some level is you have to flex that muscle a little bit. You, you just have to try things and, and see what happens. But as as you put it, this mindfulness and action and just being able to be invested in the process and detached from the outcomes is 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 much easier said than done but can literally be applied to to anything you know like there's there's nothing that you uh there's nothing out there that that can't be a mindful experience that can't have a, a even creative edge to it and an imaginative edge to it but it's it's just something that is is really not asked of us often at all and in our everyday lives Yeah. And that's a great point. Um, I mean, it is a practice, right? That's why it's called a creative practice or a mindfulness practice or meditation practice because you're practicing it. You never completely master any of those things. It's impossible. So you, all you can do is just keep going back and starting again and going back and starting again. And over time you'll be so surprised at where you are and that habit is going to get easier and easier. Um, but yeah, you, you also raised a good point about, you know, not even knowing what you like to do, which is kind of where I was. And one of the things that I found helpful was going back to my childhood and thinking about, you mm. know, what, what did I do when no one was watching? Like what just gave me complete and utter joy and I, that I could have just, you know, sat and spent hours doing. And, and so I, I tried to go back to those things and, and figure out how to recreate them as an adult. Um, you know, like what would be something that would mimic that as an adult. So that was really helpful for me, but that's also where, you know, somebody like a creativity coach can help if you're struggling starting, or if you're struggling, even figuring out what you like to do, creativity coaching can help you figure that out and and get through that so you can get to a point where you you are you know creating a daily habit or or a daily-ish habit and that you're really starting to live a more creative life Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's it's certainly certainly good advice and of course as, as i've said several times at this point it's it's much easier said than done but i think if you if you if you start small and then you're able to I like how you put it, have even a daily-ish habit because I think sometimes it's so hard to build habits because yeah. we have this expectation that they have to be every day and then if you miss a day, it's it's over and you, it's not a habit anymore and, and you failed. But giving yourself a little bit of grace and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm more often than not, I'm going to try to do this. And if, and if you can get to more often than not, that's a that's a pretty good place to be uh, if you ask me. But um, yeah, before I... 
before we kind of bring this all to a close, one thing I do want to ask so that next time we're able to connect, maybe we have something to to loop back on and to to see how how things have evolved. I'm I'm curious for you on on a personal level, if there's any way in which you you find yourself holding your yourself back and something that you're working on that that maybe in in six months you'd like to be able to say I'm 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 a little bit better on this front or this is something that I've been working on in, in a dailyish sense. Is is there anything that stands out for you? Yep. Uh, right away I think of two things. I am learning watercolor right now. Okay. So I am trying to do it daily-ish <laughs> yeah. to sit down and start, you know, uh, learning that skill. Um, and then I would like to get to a point where I can take my watercolors and turn them into surface patterns mm. for surface pattern design. So I am right now in the middle of learning a whole bunch of things, including Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator, two things that I have never touched before. <laughs> so I, you know, in six months, I would love to be able to say that, you know, I've made a pattern collection. I'm feeling much more proficient with my watercolor. I at least know how to use the Adobe programs. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm working towards right now. Yeah, that's great. That, that's definitely exciting. And uh, I think it maybe goes without saying, but if you ever have any questions on on that front, I spend a lot of time in those programs and they, they certainly can be intimidating. So it's, it's, yeah, it was always very helpful for me to have a resource when I first got started with them that I could just be like, ah, what does, what does this mean? Or, I guess Google is yeah. pretty helpful, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely exciting and something I've never tried myself, but there's, there's just lots of new dynamic applications of, of new technologies that, that allow different mediums to emerge. So that's, that's definitely exciting. And, and I'd love to see how that progresses but ultimately i i really have enjoyed this i i really appreciate you making time for it i know we both had to have a little bit of patience to to get here and to make this happen but i, I i've enjoyed it quite a bit and look forward to doing it again in the future yes thank you so much this was a great conversation i really enjoyed it yeah of course we'll, we'll certainly be back soon but yeah thank you again and thank you all for listening so if you've made it this far, hopefully it's because this project has resonated with you in some way and added value to your life. And if so, it would be great if you could take that next step to do any of the things that people are always asking you to do. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share with a friend, give us a follow on social. I know it can feel like a chore, I get it, but it is all rather simple and easy, <laughs> a lot easier than listening to this whole episode. So any support really does mean a lot to me and goes a long way towards helping this show and its message grow. The simple fact that you're still listening at this point already makes this whole thing worth it for me. Anything else is just gravy. Remember, again, please do send your questions and topics to at ImpostorsAnon on Instagram and Twitter. I welcome them all and would love to hear from you. And oh, if you could be interested in coming on this very show, shoot us a message. Seriously, there are no requirements. I'm always looking for new guests with unique perspectives. I don't care about how many followers you have or where you went to school, and I certainly don't want to read your resume. I just like having interesting, candid conversations. 
so why not you're all already a part of this project in my eyes but i'll give it a rest for today thanks again your perspective is valuable and i'll see you next time Thank you.